to the person next to you and say, fasten your seatbelts. This isn't over. This is not over. And so we are going to turn to a very, very common, common passage. Um, This is in the Gospels, the Gospel of John. So if you have never uh, opened up a Bible, it's in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. It's, it's the fourth of the, what, what are called the Gospels. And we're going to start in chapter 11. And this is a story, and I know you've all heard it, the story of Lazarus. Maybe you haven't heard it. I shouldn't assume that. Now, a man was sick, Lazarus, from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister, Martha. Now Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with her perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. This is, this is a Mary who is a super close friend of Jesus. And it was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. Now, the interesting thing about the name Lazarus, what it means is God has helped. It's in the past tense. God has helped. So as we go into the story, keep that in mind. God has helped. It says, so the sisters sent a message to him, Jesus. And they said, Lord, now this is how they refer to Lazarus. The one you love is sick. Keep that in mind. Lazarus, some some people believe that Jesus was even closer to Lazarus than he was to some of his followers, some of his disciples, that, that they had this very deep and abiding love for one another. Now, of course, the love of Jesus is perfect. He loves everyone perfectly, but he had this affection with this guy named Lazarus. Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard this, he says, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the son of God will be glorified through it. It says, now Jesus loved Martha her sister, Mary, and Lazarus. He loved these people. These were like his, these were his tribe. These were the ones Jesus hung out with. He loved these people. And it says, and so, now now I want you to catch this. And so, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days in the place. What? He stayed two more days in the place where he was. This is one of those questions that you have when you're like, I don't understand God. Because what we would typically do is, ah, Lazarus is sick, I need to get there. I need to get there quickly, wouldn't we? Isn't that our natural tendency? But here it says, because he loved them, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. When God doesn't make sense, right? Okay, and so it says, um, Oh, where am I? He stayed two, two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, after two days, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Okay, now you have to keep in mind, this is a story where they tried to kill him. And so his disciples say, uh, Rabbi, just now the Jews tried to stone you. You really want to go there again? I mean, by this time, they're starting to go, okay, we don't don't get this guy. We don't understand how this guy thinks. So they're like, um, they just were trying to kill you last week. You really want to go there again? I mean, they're probably fearing for their own lives, actually. And so then 
Fast forward a little bit to verse 11. Jesus said, he told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He says, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Okay, now imagine. Okay, we, we, some of us know how this story goes. But these guys have no idea. All they've heard is that Lazarus is sick. They've heard the one that Jesus loves is sick. And he's going, well, I'm going to go wake him up. And they're like, well, that totally does not make sense. Again, they're saying, they're saying, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, then he'll get well. They're saying, the guy needs some rest. This is a funny story. One time, um, a friend of mine had just gotten out of the hospital and the doctors had prescribed rest. And so I was praying with her husband. And um, as I prayed for her, I prayed that she would rest in peace. And I was like, well, you know what I mean, God. I mean, not like that. And God's like, I heard you. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, so, they're, so they're like, I, I don't get this, Jesus. I don't understand. He really needs sleep. You should probably let him sleep. <clears throat> and so then Jesus, it says, he was speaking about his death. So Jesus, being God, knowing everything, being omniscient, knew that Lazarus had already died. So think about the logic of this. Why in the world would Jesus stay for two more days when he could have prevented this? He says, it says they thought he was speaking about natural sleep, but then Jesus has to tell them plainly. You you ever have those times where Jesus has to just tell you something just plainly? It's like, you're kind of wondering about certain things and he's just like, okay, guys, Lazarus died. And his friends are, they're so confused because they've seen Jesus do miracles. They've seen the faithfulness of Jesus. They've watched him do these things. And he says this, and this part is so astounding. And this is what I want you to get today. I want you to understand this isn't over. Whatever you're going through, think about your your current situation whether you have waited for something for a long time, whether you're disappointed in God, whether you feel like you heard God's voice, but now you're not sure, whether you're, you're questioning something, whether you're having relational issues, whether someone you love is, is far from the Lord, any of these situations, your finances, your job, your relationships, your health, any of this, think about these things right now. And then listen to this. Jesus says, I'm glad for you I wasn't there. What? Jesus, now you're going too far. You are going too far. You are glad that you weren't there so that you may believe. Sometimes Jesus lets us go through things because he loves us. And he lets us go through things not as a punishment, But because of his love, Hebrews 12 talks all about the discipline of the Lord. And it says that it's evidence that you're children of God. It's evidence that you belong to him. But he says here, now now imagine the, the, the mindset of his disciples at this time. Jesus is saying, he's dead. And I'm glad for your sake. I'm glad that I that I didn't go back. So that, say that, say so that you may believe. 
You know, there's so many times where the Lord, the Lord has taken us through circumstances, taken us through situations, and they do not make sense. Anybody else been through something and you're like, I do not know how a good God could allow this to happen. I do not understand how if God loved me, how he could let this happen. Don't we question? And Jesus is saying, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there that you may believe. He's saying that to some of you today. He's saying this isn't over. And I could have come in. I could have swooped in. I could have taken care of that issue. But because I'm more concerned with your faith, I'm more concerned with your character, I'm more concerned that you believe. I allowed that to happen so that I can be glorified because it's all about the kingdom of God. It's all about Jesus being lifted up and Jesus being glorified and us understanding him and knowing him. That's what it's always about. And I say often, probably every week, God will allow whatever we need, whatever is necessary to show us how desperate we are for him. And if you don't think you're desperate for God, look out. He will show you that you are desperate for him. He is faithful. He says, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there so that you may believe but let's go to him. Okay, I'm just trying to put myself in the place of his disciples at this point, and I'm like, I, okay, I'm, I'm, I don't get it. I don't understand. But by this time, the disciples also know that Jesus is faithful, and they know that he does everything well. He does everything perfectly. So, fast forward to verse 17. So when Jesus arrived at Lazarus' house, it's, or Lazarus's town. It says he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, this is very significant. Four days. I did, I did a little research on this, on uh, human decomposition. It was really gross. The second phase of decomposition is what they call the bloat phase, for a reason. And what happens in the bloat phase, which is between three and five days, so he was in there four days, this is when the grossest stuff happens. Like the organs start to disintegrate, they start to liquefy, and the smell is, anybody ever smelled a dead carcass? It's the worst. And so this is significant. It says that he was in the tomb for four days. Now remember, Jesus delayed coming. It wasn't a long walk for him to get there. It says he found Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was very near Jerusalem, less than two miles away. Less than two miles away. My house is, is about a little bit less than two miles away from here. And I walk here all the time. It takes me about 25 minutes. So Jesus could have easily gotten to Lazarus. But it says many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother. So imagine now, this is a scene of a funeral. 
basically, I mean, their funerals were far different than ours. As a matter of fact, they would hire people, even if you were poor, you would hire people to come and mourn. You would hire skillful women or skillful mourners who would come and they would play they would play instruments and they would wail and they would mourn kind of because, you know, after having gone through grief myself, I can tell you there are times where you just are like, you're zombie like maybe you're in shock or your grief is so deep that you can't function. I used to tell people, you know, at times I'm just trying to breathe, trying to remember to breathe when your grief is so deep. And that is what they were experiencing at this time. This was a deep grief. They loved their brother Lazarus. They were grieving. And they probably had the professional mourners around. They were not poor, so they probably had people around there that they had hired to come and and grieve with them to kind of remind them, this is what we're doing now, we're grieving. Because they really grieved. In America, we kind of like, oh, just... You know, I, I can't tell you how many times after my husband died, people would come up to me and they would start to cry and they'd be like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, that's evidence that you loved him. You don't need to apologize for grieving. We're called to grieve with those who grieve and mourn with those who mourn. And I think Jesus is, is demonstrating this right here. He's coming back to grieve with the, those who grieve and to mourn with those who mourn even though he knew what was going to happen. And it says, these Jews were there, they were coming to comfort. And as soon as Martha heard Jesus was coming, it says she went to meet him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Okay, I I, kind of wanted to call this part of the message uh, raising Lazarus and redeeming Martha because Martha gets such a bad rap. I think the thing about Martha is she's super left brain. Like she's very logical and analytical and practical. And she gets things done, and she's probably a planner. Mary is, like, emotional. She's all over the map. But Martha gets a bad rap. But this, in this scene, I feel like Martha just redeems herself. It says here, Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went to meet him. Mary remained seated in the house. And and Martha said to Jesus, if you would have been here. I don't know how she said this to him. I think of it a lot of different ways. She could have said it in that kind of, you know, saying it through your teeth kind of, you would have been here, you wouldn't have died. She could have said it like that, maybe. Or she could have said, if you would have been here, you wouldn't have died. Or she could have said, if you would have been here, you wouldn't have died. She could have said it any of these ways. You know, you don't really know how she said it. But anyway, she said that. But this is the cool part. This is the cool part about Martha where she says, yet... Even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Isn't that cool? Martha has such great faith. She's kind of like, I don't get it, Jesus. I don't know why you didn't intervene. I don't know why you didn't come and heal him. We were just on a call on Thursday with George O. Wood. He is the head of all of Assemblies of God. And this guy is a sage. He is, he's a, an elderly man. He's almost 80 years old. And he's just, every word that comes out of his mouth is just full of wisdom. And he talked to us about the coronavirus and, and about what the Lord is doing on the earth. But he talked about the non-intervention of God. Those times where you're like, God, you could intervene right now. Why are you not intervening? 
Why are you letting me go through this? Why are you not taking care of this? If you're sovereign God, why? But George O. Wood talked about how many times in the scriptures God doesn't intervene so that he can be glorified. You think about the stoning of Stephen. God could have intervened. You know, it says that Stephen was, had the face of an angel as he looked up to God. God could have stepped in, but he allowed Stephen. So I'm sorry, if you are part of the, the belief that, that if you're a Christian, you should never suffer or you should never be sick or you should never go through anything hard, you're not reading the same Bible I'm reading. How many of I was going to ask how many of you have ever been stoned? <laughs> what I mean is, <laughs> how many of you had people chucking rocks at you? Okay, that's what I meant. <laughs> I mean, we think we're persecuted. We think the church is persecuted. Actually, next week, we're going to start a new series called What is Church? Kelly is going to kick it off. He's going to talk about um, the history of the church. That guy is a wealth of knowledge when it comes to history, but he's going to talk about the persecuted church. Just, just so you know, we don't understand persecution in America. We don't. We have no idea. But if you read the Bible... Lazarus, one of Jesus' best friends, got sick and died. Why didn't Jesus intervene? Why did Jesus wait? Because Jesus wanted them to know this isn't over. I'm going to be glorified. Check it out. So it says here, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Yet even now, I know whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Martha still believes that Jesus is God. She still believes that he's good. And Jesus says this, your brother will rise again. And Martha goes, yeah, 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 I know. I know that he's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day, just like all of us. That's basically what she's saying. Yeah, Jesus, I know that. But keep in mind, she was in a state of grief. And when you're in a state of grief, you don't always think super clearly. So she missed this. She missed what Jesus was really saying. Jesus was really trying to say, Martha, I'm going to do something so profound right now. I'm going to do something so amazing. And Martha's like, yeah, 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 I know he's going to raise it. And Jesus is like, no, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Yes, and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Yes. Do you believe this? This is what Jesus is saying to Martha too. Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe that anyone who believes in me will never die? And here's where Martha just comes through. She says, I believe you are a Messiah. She's basically saying, I believe you are God. You are the Christ. You are the living God. 
come to earth in human form. I believe you are Messiah, the son of God who comes into the world. I'm like, yeah, Martha, speak it, girl, preach it. (laughs) And it says, and having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary. Okay, so so now she kind of took Jesus off to the side and she's like, hey, watch out. You could have, you would have died. And Jesus is like, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm going to do something so cool here. And so then, so she's having this conversation. I'm sure Martha was, even though she believed, she's still got to be going, what does he have up his sleeve? It says, and having said this, she went back and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher's here. He's calling you. And as soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village yet. He was still at the outside of the village. It says, but, but he was still in the place where Martha met him, where she came out to meet him. And the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. So they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. Remember, this was a community effort. They grieved together. They grieved in community. So they're thinking, oh, Mary's going out to grieve. Let's go grieve with her. Grieve with those who grieve. So they go out with her. And it says, as soon as Mary came to where Jesus was, she saw him. And here's classic Mary. She falls at his feet. And she said, Lord, if you had been here, same thing Martha said. But Mary is humbling herself before him, saying, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Now I'm imagining emo Mary um, kind of being more like, Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And this is what Jesus says. It says, when Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. This is talking about like a horse snorting. This is like, Jesus is like, deeply moved. He's like, oh, he's so moved with passion. And I think about this. And it says, where have you put him? He asked. And they told him, Jesus, come and see. And now here's the shortest and probably the most profound verse in the entire Bible. This is our God who became human. It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept because he came into the world and he knows our weakness. He is a man of sorrows. He is acquainted with grief. And Jesus you know, it's debated about why was he, why did he weep knowing what he was about to do? But I think Jesus, I think he wept because he came into the situation and he saw what had happened in the world and he saw the brokenness. And I have a question for you. What if Jesus weeps over your situation more than you do? What if Jesus feels so deeply about the pain that you're experiencing? So much more so 
even than you do. Because that's how deep his love is. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's us. We were lost, but it says Jesus wept. And so the Jews said, wow. See, can I have a tissue, please? I'm getting all gross. They said, see how he loved him. Thanks, Mitchell. See how he loved him? They think Jesus is crying because he's sad because Lazarus died. I think Jesus is crying because he's sad because his people are hurting. The people he loved the most are broken and they're hurting. And maybe he was crying because he's like, they don't even know who I am. They don't even know that I'm going to come in and blow their minds. It says, see how they loved him. But some of them said, wait a minute. Hey, couldn't the guy that opened the eyes of the blind have also kept this guy from dying? This is what they're, these are the, these are probably the logical ones. <laughs> they're like, wait a minute. What? This didn't need to happen. Jesus, Jesus opened the eyes of a blind man. I mean, they have seen the miracles of Jesus. And so, and so it says, Jesus deeply moved again. This is that deep. <sighs> this isn't like a wailing, like the mourners were. This is like a weeping, like a crying, like this sad, sad internal thing. It says he was deeply moved again and he came to the tomb where Lazarus was. It was a cave and a stone was lying in it. Okay, now picture the scene again. Picture the scene. This is a funeral. They go out to the tomb and then Jesus, Jesus who nobody can quite understand says, remove the stone. I mean, that would be honestly like coming to a funeral and going, stand him up. If somebody's in the casket, I mean, think about it. He's like, remove this, remove this stone. And then Martha, the dead man's sister told him, now remember, Lazarus is in the bloat phase. Okay. It's putrid. I mean, the smells are absolutely disgusting. And so Martha, left brain Martha says, um, Jesus, uh, there's already a stench. Because he's been dead for four days. Okay, classical, classical Martha. She's like, the, the King James says, he stinketh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so Martha's just, again, being so practical. And she's just like, um, you might want to just keep the stone there, <laughs> Jesus. Because she doesn't even get it still. She doesn't understand even now that Jesus is going, no, I am going to do something you've never seen before. And so... Here, Jesus says, didn't I tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? And now I want to ask you the same question because this isn't over. Your situation's not over. Didn't you believe that you would see the glory of God if you really just trusted him? Can you just trust him? Even if you can't see it, He's working, right? 
He's a miracle worker, promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. Our God, even when you don't see it, he's working. He wants to raise something from the dead in your life because he is the resurrection and he is the life. This is not just talking about the great hereafter. And I'm so glad that it is because we are all going to be raised on the last day. We are all going to be raised from the dead and we are going to live in eternal life. If you name the name of Jesus, if you have accepted the sacrifice Jesus offered for you on the cross, if you have received the forgiveness for your sins because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, this is called the gospel. If you believe that he did that for you. And if you receive and you call him your savior and your Lord, not just with your words, but with your life, you will be raised again on the last day. And Jesus will not only then, but now be your resurrection and your life because this isn't over. No matter what you see right now, no matter what you are facing, no matter how long you've been waiting, no matter how painful this is, no matter how hopeless you feel, this is not over. And I want to ask you this again. Did I not tell you, did Jesus not tell us that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you, what? This is called faith. Faith, in Hebrews 1, it says faith is being sure of what we hope for and convinced of whatever it is we can't see. That is what faith is. Faith is when you can't see it and you still believe it. When you haven't seen God do something that, you, that you're asking him for or you've been waiting. It says here, Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. It says, for by it our ancestors won God's approval. And here it says in verse 6, I want you to get this, guys. I want you to get this. It says here, without faith, it is impossible. It is impossible to please God. Since the one who draws near to him must believe, A, that he exists, and B, that he rewards those who seek him. Flip back, John chapter 11. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you believed, do you believe right now? In your circumstances, in your situation, in your life, in your heart, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life, not just for, for saving your soul for all eternity, but for now, because it says he came to bring you life. He is the life. He came to bring you himself, to bring you victory, because the battle belongs to him. And it says here, so Jesus told him, remove the stone. So they removed the stone. It says, then Jesus raised his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I know that you always hear me, but because of this crowd standing here, I said this so that they may believe that you sent me. And after he said this, he shouted 
Okay, this is Jesus, the God of heaven and earth, the King of all kings, the Lord of creation, shouted with a loud voice. And this is what Jesus said. Lazarus, come out. And the dead dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth and Jesus said unwrap him and let him go unwrap him and that is what Jesus is saying today you have areas in your life where you're experiencing death it stinks what you're going through stinks but Jesus is saying you know what I'm calling you forth. I'm calling you to believe. I'm calling you to me. And like Lazarus, it might be a little bit difficult to move. It might be a little rough at first to come out. It might be a little hard to walk at first, and that's okay. Thanks, Pete. Because when Jesus calls you out of that grave, I mean, think about it. Lazarus had to walk up 24 steps to get out. He didn't just come running out. It wasn't like that. I mean, it wasn't like that. It was like that. It was like he said, Lazarus, come out. And there was just, I mean, I'm trying to envision it. Lazarus is 24 steps down. And plus he had to wake up. I mean, I don't know about you, but it probably took him a minute. (laughs) And yet, Jesus raised him from the dead and he wants you to know he is the resurrection and the life. And this isn't over. I love to tell people who are in the middle of a trial, this isn't the end of your book. This is just one chapter. God's still writing your story. And he knows how the story ends. He knows exactly the victory that he has in store for you. For those of us who believe, and I'm saying this for your benefit, believe and do not doubt. Do not doubt the goodness of God. Do not doubt that he is for you. Do not doubt that he has a victory in store for you. Ultimately, the victory is that Jesus is coming back and he is going to take his bride, his beautiful, spotless church, to be with him for eternity. But for right now, you still can walk in freedom. You can live. You can live. You don't have to be in bondage. You don't have to be wrapped in all these things. You can be set free. Jesus is saying to you, just insert your own name. Come out. Come out. Believe. Believe that Jesus wants to be your resurrection. He wants to be your life. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life, eternal life.
Do you believe? I want you to just say this right now to the Lord. Say, Lord, I know this isn't over yet. I want you to just take whatever it is that's stressing you out or distracting you or holding you back and just say, I know it's not over yet. Lord, we believe you are the resurrection and you are the life. Lord, and we believe. We believe, Lord, that you are good. We believe that you don't do things the way we think you should. God, you are God. And we bless you and we thank you that you hold victory in store for the upright. Lord, make us upright. God, let us walk in you. Let us come out of our graves, Lord. Let us be unwrapped. Let us experience that victory in you, Lord. And we bless you and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ.